0: Guys, guys radio this is your host robert manny welcoming you to the podcast it is podcast number 294 and we have special guests charlie and linda bloom are going to be here they have a new book called that which doesn't kill us and they are a very well-known professional relationship uh, counselor couple and this book is a very personal tome about their challenges so you know even the counselors have challenges too so we're going to get to them in a few minutes let's uh Quickly say hello to everybody. Today is Monday and it is June 25th and it is 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And we usually do our shows on Sunday night and Wednesday, but this week, because of uh, some scheduling stuff coming up with 4th of July next week and travel and this and that, we're doing it Monday at 9 and uh, here we are. So it's a new time. We haven't done a Monday night at 9 o'clock yet, but so it's always first time for everything and it's cool. Uh, guys guys radio is the place where when men and women can be at their best everyone wins so it's a perfect uh, place to be when we're going to talk about couples and you know if you've been in a long-term relationship or a marriage you know that no matter how much in love you are with your partner you're always going to run into some bumps along the way and we all do no matter how happily married or happily cohabitating or happy happy we are you're always going to run into some issues so uh it's very refreshing that we're going to have a counselors if you will talk about their issues that they ran into and kind of how they got past them with tragedy and sadness and all kinds of stuff happened uh that ultimately uh brought them closer together and that's what can happen uh in this world where everything is there for us the good and the bad and you know I've said this before, but if a person can work their way through challenging issues, it actually not only helps them on their journey, but it helps the frequency for the entire planet. It helps out. So, you know, just doing a good job on your own helps other people, believe it or not. It raises the vibration. And if everybody does that, everybody works hard and powers their way through the issues we'll have a better world. It's so divisive right now. Like my goodness, I was actually talking to my financial advisor and he's a great guy. And he even told me he doesn't like to watch the, the watch uh, TV anymore because everything's so negative. My goodness, the uh, shows, I was watching the final uh, episode, the finale of Westworld last night. This is That was one of the bloodiest series I've ever seen. I I didn't get into Game of Thrones, personally. I know everybody loves it. And it looks like it's probably some great writing and really interesting storytelling. Every time I turned it on, somebody was getting their head cut off or they were getting stabbed. I'm like, I I need a break from this on Sunday night. And then uh, I started watching Westworld. But I didn't didn't sit like I watched billions. I watched every episode and I really enjoyed it because the writing was very good and the performances were great and there was good and evil and good conflicts and complicated characters that had a lot of depth. When I got to Westworld, even though it was a fascinating subject, the whole kind of uh, future of AI robots and humans and how they will or could interact and all the perils that come along with that. Um, and media does a good job. A lot of truth telling is in our storytelling. And I think a lot of it's done on purpose to let us know uh, the mass population kind of what's coming down the pike. If you look at Star Trek and some of the other things when they travel through, you know, warp speed and portals and this and that. And a lot of that stuff, you got to think that there's a lot of things going on that we don't know about. Now they're finding, you know, there's, oh, you know what? People can live on Mars. Well, you know, two years ago, there was like no way. So slowly things are being disclosed to us. And there'll be more and more and it's going to speed up and people can handle it. Um, The truth, it's always better to get the truth. And it's so tough now because, you know, with all this finger pointing fake news and is the president lying about this? And this does he get his facts right? And so much divisiveness. Um, It's very us versus them. And it's it's sad. Um, But anyhow, back to Westworld quickly so violent it was an interesting storyline Very hard to keep up with I didn't watch every episode uh, in a row I just kind of bounced around and then watched the one to the last episode last night earlier and then I watched the final episode with my wife and we were like wow this is something because it was the only character worth rooting for was this guy Bernard who is a uh, AI uh, because he seems to have a lot of depth and uh, dimension to him but it's uh, it's interesting because so much of the media that's being pumped out at us is just so full of violence. It's unbelievable how many it's, – it's just crazy out there. So let's uh, we've got to be careful of how much of that you consume. Let's see what's going on out there. What else in Guy's Guy's world? Well, you know, we've got summer upon us now, and here in New York City, we actually had a cool day over the weekend, and then we had a warm day. And now today was spectacular, and we we're kind of rounding the turn to 4th of July, uh, and that's next next Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, that should be fantastic. So I'm sure a lot of people will be skedaddling out of New York by the end of this week, so they get that long weekend and a good chunk of next week, and I think a lot of people take next week off. Um, we've also still got, if you're watching the news and all, you got got this back and forth on the immigration, and then people – giving other people a hard time if they go out to eat, whether they're Trump supporters or if they're not Trump supporters. And if they're, you know, gay people getting turned down for business and then to get back at them, then, uh, then Sarah Sanders kind of got heckled out of a restaurant. It's like, it's, it's just really tiring. So I'm taking all of that stuff kind of in small doses. I want to know what's going on, but I want to get sucked into like, you know, you go on Facebook and people it's like 80% of it is I hate Trump or I love Trump and it's just back and forth and it's just so tedious. Um, so I put my memes, I'm on, uh, you know, I do my website, robertmanny.com and I, uh, I write my uh, blog there and there's about it's syndicated and there's about 300 blog posts. And then I do a daily meme on Facebook and also on, I put them on Instagram now and then and it's on Twitter all the time and I try to put something positive up there every day. So I'm up to, I thought, well, let me see how many I do. When I start, i like about 20 and I'm like scratching my head and I'm writing things like, you know, people say life is expensive in New York, but you can still get a banana for 25 cents. And I'm like, okay, that's a good one. I just kind of going on and on and like flipping through books and picking up something that strikes a chord with me and writing it down and then fitting it into that meme template, which is about a long sentence or two. I mean, about... 12 words I can squeeze onto there and I keep myself uh, using that as kind of a guideline for myself uh, to, so it fits there. I can change the typeface and all that, but I chose not to. Everything's got to fit into my guys, guys, guide template. So, uh, I'm up to 485. So it just keeps going. I haven't decided if I'm going to continue to do them all summer and just keep going or just take the summer off and then pick everything up in the, in the fall, because I've got big summer plans. I'm going to be uh, spending some time with my son at the beach. I'm going to be working on a nonfiction book, kind of a guy's guy book, but it won't go under the guy's guy's moniker, if you will. And then uh, I'm going to be doing a little bit of travel to Southern California and uh, I'll be back. Um, But I got a lot of stuff I want to accomplish. So we've done a lot of, pre-records for guys guys radio this is a live podcast tonight but we've done a lot of pre-records we're going to have uh w- at least one or two shows right through the summer i'll be back in mid august but there's a lot of a lot of shows that you're going to get and i interviewed a ton of really cool people so really looking forward to that to sharing that with you so thank you and uh again guys guys radio you can listen to us uh, for free obviously all 294 podcasts we're on Stitcher, we're on Blog Talk Radio, we're on TuneIn, and we're on iTunes. If you want to support what we're doing, uh, very easy. I'm not asking you for your money or anything, but if you can subscribe, rate, or review on iTunes, that would be great. Give us a good review if you like the show. That would be fantastic. That's it. Uh, And just listen and have fun and listen, of course, because it's a podcast whenever you want. Um, Okay, let's quickly do the Guys, Guys, Guy of the Week. Uh, I got a surprise one. I was reading the Reading flipping through the social media, and I read about a plan from New York City by two thousand and twenty two which is four years from now to have a uh, mass transit plan to get people from midtown Manhattan to LaGuardia airport in thirty minutes or less. Yes, that's right, thirty minutes or less and if anybody's had kind of grinded out the LaGuardia, which we all have, it's just a it's a it's a brutal slog, so the idea is um to have trains, L-I-R-R, Long Island, Rail- Long Island Railroad trains, come out of Penn Station, go to Willits Point. You would change there and get on a tram, and then you go around uh, LaGuardia. And uh, seamless transfer at Willits Point to get you to, I'm not sure if the tram's going to be right there or it takes you to the tram, but either way, 30 minutes or less, and they're almost guaranteeing it. And so person behind this is Governor Cuomo. So we're going to give him, the guy's guy of the week for doing what he can to ease ease up uh, the life and uh, times and trials and tribulations of us New Yorkers, because we're, we're so under it when it comes to mass transportation. Anybody who's lived here in New York City for, you know, the last two decades can see how things have changed in the city, but also a lot for the better. We've got all these parks by the river all around. Central Park is magnificent, keeps getting better and better. Um, but the one thing that has really uh, gone down is because so many people use the subways and the buses and mass transit, and, the, and even just if you want to drive, I mean, good luck, but it's just so congested. So anything that will alleviate that traffic stress and pressure, we give our, May, our governor Cuomo, the guy's guy of the week. So we're going to take a super quick break. And then we're going to be right back with our special guests, Linda and Charlie Bloom.
1: You're listening to the Guys, Guys Radio.
0: All right, we're back. Welcome back to Guys, Guys Radio. Um, Let's talk about our special guests. Um, Very interesting couple. Um, Let me tell you about them. They have a new book, Linda and Charlie Bloom that which doesn't kill us uh, how one couple got stronger at the broken places. They managed to reconstruct their relationship from the ashes of broken dreams. The book, uh, you call it inspiring and instructive. I kind of power read it over the last couple of days. And uh, it's like, Whoa, it's a lot of drama in this book. It's presented in the chapters which are written alternately. So it goes back and forth between Linda and Charlie's voice. Um, You get a window into their interior and interpersonal experiences. Um, Pretty fascinating stuff. The, the, the couple, they're psychotherapists and relationship counselors, and they've worked with individuals, couples, groups, organizations since 1975. So they have been at it for a while. And they lecture and they're all over the state. Islam Institute, uh, Kripolu Center for Yoga and Health, uh, 1440 Multiversity at the California Institute of Integral Studies. Um, just all over. And uh, they've got some best selling books, including 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married, Simple Lessons to Make Love Last, Happily Ever After, and 39 Other Myths About Love, Secrets of Great Marriages. They blog, they're on Huffington Post. They're all over the place. They live in California, but I, I, I have to get a copy of their book, 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married, because I was single for so long that people stopped asking me when I was getting married. And then I met my wife on match.com of all places. She winked at me and we got together on a date and we've been together ever since. But, um, wow, I wish there was a handbook and a manual. So we're going to ask about that, especially when you have a kid too. Uh, so, and we have a five-year-old. And he's a really sweet boy. Um, so let me bring our special guests out, Linda and Charlie Bloom. And we're going to talk about that, which doesn't kill us. And we'll also talk about relationships and uh, their story, but also our story also. Good evening, Linda and Charlie. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio.
2: Hi, Robert. I'm so glad you invited us. Delighted to be with you.
0: Oh, hey. well, hey, how are you, Charlie? Well, listen, okay. I, I went, thanks so much for being here. Uh, and uh, your story uh, is really, uh, you know, you really um, opened up your shirts and basically said, take a look here, what's inside uh, on your hearts. And, uh, you know, it was a heart-wrenching story. I went through it and I was like, wow. Um, very tough sledding for you guys. So let me start with, and you guys are successful counselors and you've worked with people, and, you know, with your first book about, you know, things I wish I knew when I got married. uh, What happened here and what was the inspiration to say, okay, we've got to do a book on this? Because, you know, so often it happens that um, um, people who are uh, counselors people don't other people don't realize that they're people too and they have their own issues so I thought it was very revealing and honest of you to come right out and say here's what we had to go through because you're training other people yet you have your own stuff to go through
2: well everybody who is in a long-term committed partnership is going to hit some rough spots and just because we got fine professional training and had Uh, Quite a bit of experience in the field under our belt, we weren't immune to the challenges that can take you by surprise. And when we relocated from the East Coast to the West Coast, and we had had kind of a harmonious life before we moved, our life just really turned upside down when Charlie took a job with a corporation and had a very high intensity, high challenge career. And because he was on the road so much of the time um, with this demanding career, I was put in the position of being mostly a stay-at-home mom with three little kids, and Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. And I asked him to leave the damn job, and he wouldn't do it. And then I was really upset. And so we got gridlocked because I was just absolutely clear that this was not a workable situation for me and he was just as clear that he had found job charming and he wasn't leaving it and all of the skill sets that had held us in good stead prior to that challenge were inadequate to meet it so there was a lot of tension and fighting in our home for an extended
1: period of time
0: um charlie you want to add anything to that or i can go with to the next question it's up to you
1: um no, that's pretty <laughs> pretty accurate. Absolutely. <That's> uh it. <laughs> in period of time uh you know, we're not talking about weeks or months, but several years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was a lot of on the job training.
0: Okay, so I know you guys um uh you know, you talk about it in the book, but um I think for the benefit of our listeners who, who haven't many many of them haven't gotten the book yet, um what what was it linda your your issue was your issue with charlie and his job the fact that it just consumed it was too intense and consumed too much of his time and it was not enough for you at home or was it that that part of it and the other part like you didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom or what was the uh, what were the kind of the touch points there that made things so difficult
2: well what you mentioned uh it was definitely there i i had Trained to become a professional therapist, and I didn't feel that with Charlie's absences I could do very much significant with my career. So, not only had I left all my family and friends back east when I relocated to California. I gave up being a counselor for a while. I didn't feel like my life was working, so I didn't feel that I was in integrity to be counseling anybody else about making their life work. Mm-hmm. The, all that loss and grief was really upsetting to me. I was also terribly lonely, and I'm a real connector. And I was, uh, the whole time that I was angry with him and upset and disappointed, I still was loving him. He was a magnificent mm-hmm. human being. I just, you know, wanted to be with him more, and I wanted to feel that I was number one. I didn't right. want to be demoted. I had been number one, and I got right. demoted, That he loved his job more than he loved me, and he spent more time with her. I used to call cor- a corporation his mistress because he mm-hmm. spent more time than he did with me, and he seemed to be, you know, really enchanted with with her. And mm-hmm. I just... I was pretty bent out of shape about being demoted and I was also exhausted taking care of the kids by myself because we didn't have any family out here to help
0: us. You know, uh, it's interesting having been, you know, my background is in business on on the corporate side. I work for major huge corporations and then I went over to the agency side and uh, did service for the major corporations Um, and You know, you can part of, you know, the working for the big corporations is, you know, they demand a lot of your time, Um, but you can be successful at it. And then you start moving up the, the food chain. So if you if you're not if you're not all in, you're going to get crushed. So were you aware, both Linda and Charlie, that, you know, part of the contract, if you will, that you sign when you work for these major corporations is they're going to just swallow you up. While you're there, but you can there's a lot of you can get glean a lot out of it financially and security wise and this connection wise and all of that. But they are going to really suck a lot of life out of you.
1: You know that's a powerful question, Robert. And when I think back on it, I mean the book was written over a ten year period of time from 1982 to 1992. I mean that was the period of time that we covered. And um, so, you know, looking back on it, I do know that intellectually I was aware of the truth of what you just said, that, you know, these places do want to own you. They want to um, possess you and they want to control your life. But I was arrogant or stupid enough to believe that I was smart enough to, to be the exception to the rule. I really thought that, um, you know, once I get established here in this in this position and um, I, I, I will get some influence over how things are and, and uh, what's possible for me and um, I'll be in a position where I can dictate to them what my terms are rather than having to conform to theirs. And um, that was a kind of a combination of <laughs> arrogance and stupidity because it didn't work mm-hmm. out that way.
0: Yeah. I was, as I was reading, I'm like, okay, I kind of see where this is going. So as you, Um, you did get your taste of success, but success uh, turned into, you know, you, but the more successful you got kind of the more kind of infighting you guys had. And do you think that the main driver was the, the job itself, or was it part of it, uh, Linda, that, you know, you were doing the, homemaking thing, and uh, maybe that you felt your isolation, uh, uh, I guess not dealing with enough other adults except in the kind of taking care of kids. I'm, I'm doing a personal a switch around right now. I'm building my own brand uh, after many years, like decades in the corporate world, and my wife is working, and she doesn't want to be working, and I, I like I don't mind going to an office and all that, but this is what's happening for us right now, so it does put a strain on things. What was the toughest part about going through that for you guys when you you know it's like you're in new roles
2: the tough part for me was feeling so alone and i was an only child in my family for 14 years and i just i just felt like i was being thrown back to that little waif of a kid who felt like they had the whole burden of the world responsibility on them without help. And it really took me back to some um, dark places from my childhood. And Mm -hmm. I missed him terribly because when he was flying all over the country in Canada doing this work, he didn't have very much break time. So we didn't even get to talk on the phone very much. Oh, okay. And so wow. I was thrust into this role almost like a single parent most of the mm-hmm. time of having make decisions by myself without any mm-hmm. collaboration with the other parent. Right. And It was a high level that of stress stops. for me. Now, a mm-hmm. different kind of a woman, a more independent woman, a more uh, self-starter of a woman might have still been able to keep their career going and wouldn't have been impacted as much. But I'm definitely a connector, and I'm all about relationship. And so not having access to Charlie to talk things over, not having him at the dinner table at night, not being able to sleep together and cuddle at night, this was severe deprivation for me. And what was going on in the company at the time is – Almost every man who was married in his department during the five years plus that he worked there ended up getting divorced. And wow. we were there long enough that some of them got divorced two times. And so I was living in anxiety oh, wow. that we were sure to be the next ones to go the way of the separation and the divorce statistics.
0: How, how old were your kids at the time, Linda?
2: When Charlie took the corporate job, the littlest one was 18 months old, and the, the big boys were five and seven. So, you know, wow. the, the oldest child had just started school, and so right. I, was, I was handling quite, quite a bit and um, feeling the stress and the burden. I didn't know at the time, but there is a word called, uh, a phrase, the corporate marriage syndrome. And corporate marriage syndrome is defined as the corporation gets your allegiance and devotion and has to be first. And you must sacrifice other interests, even your workouts, you know, for physical fitness. But your family has to be relegated to a spot of lesser importance. And that's what I had so much trouble with.
0: Now I know there 's a lot of juggling, Linda where you got you know three kids I had two boys, five and seven, so that 's a lot of runner that 's a lot of energy there I a, got a, i've got i 've got a five year old and he just he woke wakes up, pops out of bed, and he goes till like twelve thirteen hours straight no stop, no stopping so i totally get that and I can have like, two in that that was like my brother and I we were just running around constantly and then you have a baby with that but putting that aside, let me ask you a question and don 't get upset with me. Did you ever look at a silver lining there and say, you know, I've got this time. Maybe I'm not doing, you know, my thing, but I I can kind of really get a chance to really get close to my kids because, uh, you know, there's nothing better than that in in a lot of ways. Did you ever look through it at that prism?
2: I was always searching for the silver Mm -hmm. lining. And, you know, Charlie, the work that he was doing was fascinating to me because one of the things that we have in common is a passion around how do people heal from their wounds of the family of origin, where do people find the motivation to risk change, how do people grow into the best that they can be. And so in the little time that we had together, he would tell me, honoring confidentiality and, you know, never telling me names about any of the students in his seminars, but I was fascinated by all the things that were happening. You know, huge transformational breakthroughs with people regularly. Every training that he would teach, there would be many of them. So there was a certain beauty and I had tremendous admiration for the work that he was doing and hope one day we might be able to reconcile and perhaps both of us be doing transformational work with people, which Mm -hmm. ultimately did happen. I just had, you know, massive lessons in patience and forgiveness till we got to the point where we could work together.
0: You know, it's interesting, um, you know, with with dealing with kids, sometimes, sometimes kids can be more refreshing than adults because they, they don't have the filters. They're honest. And if they're good, they can be, real, real light. um, And uh, where, you know, adults have so much stuff they're dragging around with them. Um, But I I totally get what you're saying. Uh, uh, Must've been, must've been a real challenge. Um, Let me ask you this. Um, You talk about the wound becoming a gift. Let's talk about some of the lessons you got out of this. We'll get deeper into the book, but um, what what are some of the learning you got when you're, as you, as you were going through the journey and as you were writing the book, and putting that together, I'm sure you had some epiphanies like, wow, I didn't realize that until I wrote it down.
1: Yeah, writing the book, um, and, and you, you should know that the uh, first draft of this book was written um, uh, 25 years ago wow. in um, 1992. Um, after after the period of time, immediately after the period of time that we were writing about because we both wanted we, we knew that there was some incredibly powerful teachings in there uh... for us and and then we l- later began to see that wow, these these are teachings that other people can benefit from also um... so the you know the the biggest one not on and it's not uncommon was also the most painful one Um and that is um, when I had the realization of um, exactly what the cost had been um, for the family, but in particular for me Mm -hmm. in having basically turned my life over to the company and uh, accommodated their relentless demands of my time and energy. And um, when I had that realization, that awakening of what I had missed. My, my kids were now um, 6, 8, and 14. And wow. those years intervening that time, uh, I, I had th- this in, incredible visceral awareness in my whole being, my whole body of what I had missed by turning my life over to the company. And it was uh, just indescribably painful to, to realize that now, and, and to have that experience okay. all over again.
0: Got it. Now, it seems like as you were going through this, you, you, you guys got together and you had a, one solution was this uh, partners in commitment. So you, you put at one point you put together a, a seminar package that you both would be presenting and you had some success for that. And then the rug got pulled on that. So. What was the thinking there, and how did you guys feel? Obviously, not very good when when that stopped. That must have been just another added challenge.
2: That really um, did it for me. <laughs> About disassociating myself from the whole organization. I didn't socialize with any of the people that worked there anymore. I got branded a company critic, and I was, you know, on the the blacklist. But, you know, it was a very powerful experience for me to even teach with Charlie three times before they axed the course. And I got a little inebriated at the company Christmas party, and I went up to the, the boss, and I said, I'm going to teach it myself. And he said, how many by when? And I declared a number, and I was, you know, it was, it was a huge number. I said, I'm going to have 20 couples in the spring. And uh, he just smiled at me like I was, you know, a little crazy. And then after I had declared that, I got really scared when I sobered up the next day, but I got busy and I started telling everybody I knew and I made a flyer. And I actually did pull it off. that I I taught the course myself, and Charlie joined me right at the last minute, and we had 20 couples. The last couple signed up the, the morning of the course. And it was a big success. Great. And it really launched our offering seminars ourselves mm-hmm. when Charlie left the organization. He had connections in cities all over the country, and they would say, I'll put a group together, you know, come to Washington, D.C., you know, mm-hmm. come to Los Angeles. And so we we got our own business going when he left.
0: Now, what uh, without mentioning the name of the company, um, the company, just for the benefit of our listeners, was a uh, company that offered training practices for individuals or corporate, corporate people or, or, or what?
1: It was, it was for the general public. It was pers- um, personal growth seminars, okay. and um, they had different, different levels of, uh, of trainings. They had an inter- inter- introductory course that was five days, and then um, I, I taught the more advanced course, which was uh, another five days. But it was for the general public, for people who really wanted to enhance their uh, their level of well-being in their lives, and it dealt with uh, a variety of different aspects of life um, at at a core level, not so much.
0: Looking
1: at you know what's the mechanics of becoming a successful entrepreneur, for example, but like what is it within you? that you can tap into or that's getting in your way of really fulfilling your vision and your dreams. And I had done this training in, in New York myself and, and really experienced the power of it. And I, I was a true believer. I knew that this stuff really worked in my own life. And so I wanted to, you know, get trained to be one of those guys in the front of the room that's doing that work. And um, it was, uh, you know, when I got there, I found that it wasn't exactly all that I had imagined it
0: would be. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, Charlie. So what is it that um, from from mass population for people that gets in the way of people um, kind of actualizing uh, the things they want to be and do?
1: Um, A couple of things. One is not trusting or believing that I'm worthy of that level of success in my life. Um, and I think that um, that has to do with having violated my own integrity in some ways. You know, when we don't mm-hmm. honor the truth of our lives, when we, when we do things that rationalize or justify or are dishonest, uh, we, we lose trust in ourselves and we okay. lose a sense of self-worth. Um, the other thing is fear. Um, You know, there's a great saying that there's only two great tragedies in life, and one is to not get what you truly desire, and the other one is to get what you truly desire. Um, Because if and when you get it, you often discover, as I did, that it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. And and, um, the path to success always involves risk-taking and failure, and, disappoint. Mm-hmm. and if we're not prepared to deal with those things, it's really easy to just cut our losses and quit.
0: Do you think that um, more people have a fear of failure or a fear of success?
1: I think that they're two sides of the same coin, Robert. I, okay. I think that um, it's always underneath that fear of the abstraction of success or failure, there's a, a fear that... Something is going to happen to me that's going to have a have an adverse effect on my life. I won't be able to handle it. Um, it'll be too much for me. Um, I don't know how to do. I don't know how to deal with with what might happen with with mm-hmm. that level of success. I don't know what failure is going to do to me. I don't trust myself to really be able to create the kind of a life that I really want to have.
0: Got it. Let let me ask you one more question about kind of that type of stuff, and then we'll move to uh, some of your personal, the two of you, your philosophies on coaching couples. Because I think that would be fascinating for our listeners, and you guys are real uh, experts in in that area. Let me give you a thought I have. Uh, Having uh, done 294 podcasts to date, and I talk to a lot of relationship experts, a lot of wellness experts, a lot of uh, spiritual. teachers, metaphysical uh, healers, authors, psychics, channelers, et cetera, et cetera. And I do my very best to go through everybody's material as deeply as, as I can. And it seems to me from what I've picked up that the, the key is getting in alignment with um, so you get in the flow where a lot of people, including myself, sometimes we get Too fixated on a specific outcome, and we don't allow "quote unquote" the universe to kind of help us uh, because we can command a a lot, and uh, a lot of us don't understand that. And um, we, you know, keep wishing for things, but we don't really allow the universe. It's like you know, the universe can hear you. You don't have to ask for the same thing a thousand times. And you, you, a lot of times, we don't trust in the process and just let it go and do the work and let it go. And a a lot of times when you do that, that a lot of things get kind of put in front of you, things kind of open up because you're allowing the universe, which is much more powerful than us individually to, to do things. And a lot of people get caught up in trying to force things to happen in a specific way. And by doing so, it kind of pushes things away from them. Thoughts?
2: I couldn't agree with you more. And this was one of the major epiphanies that I had during this difficult time. And I was blessed to get some really profound help from a spiritual teacher that, that helped me to let go of my white-knuckle grip about what my life had to look like. Mm-hmm. The situation was difficult enough, but I was making it worse because I didn't know anything about non-attachment I knew a lot about holding on. I knew a lot about commitment, and I knew, you know, plenty about force. But this demanding time required a different skill set than the ones I had about me. So you were asking about epiphanies, and it was Stephen Levine who taught me and his wife Andrea, you know, you really need to practice non-attachment and do some forgiveness meditation that Charlie isn't the husband that you've been visioning. And he's different than that. You know, he has his path to go on, and it demanded that I become more spacious, more tolerant, more patient, that I um, would see the opportunity to learn self-trust more because he Mm -hmm. was absent I couldn't turn to him. And one of the things that really informs my work now. When we teach our classes, we speak a lot about doing your own work, getting your attention off of the other person and putting your attention on yourself and Mm -hmm. looking through the eyes of gratitude because things are imperfect, but the beauty that attracted you in the beginning, it's still there. And how to deal with the differences with some grace so that you can Mm -hmm. tell your truth emotional truth-telling, but without the blame and judge- judgment in it, without the criticism. And so all of this is about getting into the flow that life wants to take us, you know, being in the stream of life, not hanging on to the banks or trying to swim against the current.
0: Mm-hmm. Where are you on this, Charlie? Are you on board?
1: Absolutely. Um, Linda does had some incredible strengths that I I don't have, and one of them is commitment. I mean, when she gets committed to something, there's just no stopping her until things turn out, which is one of the reasons why it was so difficult for her because she had met her match in this situation because um, I was um, really very committed to... Fulfilling what felt to me like my purpose, I felt like um, I, I was so grateful that I actually had the experience of feeling like I'm finally doing what I was born to do, and and uh, I think that was the main reason that I, it was so difficult for me to con- to, to even consider um, dishonoring that commitment before I felt ready, and and I would I would tell her. Um, because I knew that she knew what commitment felt like um, Got it. I can't help it, I feel possessed by by this commitment I know I, I have to stay here until I feel complete with my purpose that I will have fulfilled my purpose in, in, in being here I've learned what I need to learn and um, I, I knew that I would know when I felt mm-hmm. that, and, and I did there came a time when I knew that okay I'm complete. I really don't cool. need to stay anymore. It's time for me to leave and um, okay. that letting go is just as important as the ability to hold on to a commitment.
0: Got it. um let me ask you this linda uh you you got sick towards the latter half of the book and in in, in that period of time. Uh, let me ask you this. I guess it was a surprise. Um, do you looking back at it now? And I'm very happy for you that you're 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 healthy. Getting through that, do you look back at it as a, a gift or a curse?
2: No, I see it as a gift. I see it as a gift that it was a big wake up call for me. And you know, when I was diagnosed with metastatic cancer, I thought I wasn't going to live very long. And I didn't think I was going to live long enough to publish a book. So we did a tape series where I really wanted to make my contribution and and speak, you know, to our community about what I had learned. And I had to do it the rapid way because I didn't think I was going to live long enough to actually put it in a book. Fortunately, I've had a chance to write four books now. um, And I do feel that being a cancer survivor is a bonus it was Mm -hmm. such a wake-up to me about how precious every day is, that there's not a moment to lose. And I count up blessings, and I live in gratitude, and I'm so grateful for all that I have. But I really feel doubly blessed because it was a boon to our relationship because I feel that Charlie awakened to the preciousness of our couplehood and family life of us all being able to be together. And in many ways, I feel like that that was the bigger blessing to feel valued and appreciated in the way that I never did when he was a, a corporate guy or even before he was a corporate guy. It jettisoned us into another category of well being.
0: Got it. <clears throat> um, one more question. Um, you know, the, you guys are counselors, so I want to spend a, just a little bit of time at the end here about, you know, what couples can kind of some of the things they can learn. Because th- as you stated in your first book, kind of there there is no handbook really for getting married or long term commitments or whatever. And a lot of people kind of, are, you know, they feel their way through even with having kids and stuff. And, you know, a lot of times things turn out all right, but the divorce rate is over 50 percent in our country. And a lot of people go into relationships not really thinking either too controlling or not thinking things through enough. So I'm wondering what, you know, I wrote a novel. I I wanted to, I was inspired by, it's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And it's, it's a rom-com and it was inspired by this, what I saw as a growing chasm in the communication between men and women. And since I put pen to paper till now, the, the, the chasm is a Canyon now. Uh, and I don't think really men and women are on on the same page. There's a divisiveness there as there's a divisiveness in so many areas of our culture. What are some of the things that you can offer uh, couples out there in terms of helping them um, make their relationships more uh, pleasant and uh, uh, pleasurable? Um, Well,
1: I I don't know that it's a matter of, making them more pleasant and pleasurable as much as it is being awake enough to recognize the blessings that are there when they show up for you in your experience and really savoring them. Because like mm-hmm. you said in your introduction, um, nobody gets out of this one without going through certain challenges and even ordeals no matter how much you love each other stuff happens all right right there's just no way to avoid that but what we can do is we can really savor those moments and create them consciously and intentionally that do bring us fulfillment that help us to keep our hearts open in gratitude and appreciation and to not dwell this is the other side of that coin to not dwell on the disappointments and the resentments and the, the negative feelings that inevitably come up. It's one thing to acknowledge, you know, um, I'm disappointed. I'm upset. I'm angry. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm feeling bad about this. It's one thing to acknowledge it. It's another thing to wallow in it, to dwell on it, yep. to, thro- to, to throw it back at the other person, to try to get even with them. And we can work on ourselves and our tendencies that we all have to want to strike back to be defensive, to withdraw to punish with the violence of silence you know to do things that are intended to to um, to to bring pain or discomfort to the other person who 's hurt us it 's a natural impulse it 's a tendency, but we don 't have to feed it we don 't have to. Indulge it. Um, We can acknowledge it, and we can be responsible about expressing our feelings rather than intentionally trying to hurt the other person. That that, those are things that I think can really make a difference.
0: All right, Um, Linda, you want to uh, add something to that, and then we'll we'll wrap.
1: I
2: I sure do. And to be able to what we call go for the gold, to have that enduring. Uh, secure love, but also keeping romance alive so that the relationship is vital and it doesn't get boring and predictable and stagnant. One of the things that, and I really learned this in spades during the time that Charlie was a corporate man, that if we're going to really have the highest functioning relationship, we are going to really need to stretch We're going to need to stretch into our partner's world. I was um, demanded upon to love bigger than I had ever thought that I would be required to. I was required Mm -hmm. to grow bigger. And we sometimes refer to it when, when we're teaching or counseling people as the call of the wanderer, that one of the pair will feel very drawn to do something. You know, it might be run a marathon or spiritual practice or, you know, creative expression or travel the world, and they want to do something that's individuated away from their partner. And this busts up the myth of togetherness, that the highest level of satisfaction that you can reach in partnership is the intimacy stage and it's not it's the co-creativity stage which requires that we have to be able to do the dance of love and freedom which means we come together we're lovers we're very loving and devoted to each other and show you know our love in many ways and then to let the other person go because they may have interests that are very different than ours, and one of the things that's a part of our teaching is find out what your partner wants and help them get it, to be a real support in their life. If there's something that's going to light them up, then mm-hmm. you want to a co-conspirator to see that they flourish in that area as best you can.
0: Got it. That's well stated. That's beautiful. Thank you. And thank you both. Um, The name of the book is That Which Doesn't Kill Us, How One Couple Became Stronger at the Broken Places, Charlie and Linda Bloom, or Linda and Charlie Bloom, however you want to look at it. Uh, Folks, uh, tell us where uh, people can find the book, find more about you guys, your other books, social media, website, all that kind of stuff.
1: The only thing that they need to know is what our website is, and that, that will give them answers to any other questions that they might have and answers to things that they haven't even thought about. There's a ton of stuff on our website, which is bloomwork, B-L-O-O-M-W-O-R-K.com. And that's cool. all they need okay. to do is go there. They can, they can get information about the book and our work and everything else.
0: Okay. Well, listen, um, it's been a pleasure meeting you guys. And we didn't really get too much into kind of, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of uh, making a uh, couple them work. And uh, if you want, Ask your publicist. Tell her to send uh, me over your first book, and uh, we can we can we can do a show about that.
1: That'd be great. great. We'll do it.
0: Okay. Because I think mm-hmm. that I think people need to need get some of that. I mean, this is about this is your story, and there's a lot of uh, learning that can be gleaned from it. I think uh, another way to go would be talk about kind of the the issues uh, for the, not specifically your story, but just some of the nuts and bolts as to what couples need to do to be successful in their relationships. And you guys are experts. So that might be fun. And uh, in any case, Happy to do it. Uh, okay, cool. I look um, forward to that. All right, good. And I'm so glad that we got both of you on the show. I know the date had bounced around a few times and I um, thank you for being so flexible and I thank you for being my special guest on today's guys, guys radio. And uh, so all the best to you. Keep doing the good work. And um, we'll talk again.
2: Wonderful.
0: Thanks, Robert. Okay, guys. All right. That's our special guests, folks, um, Charlie and Linda Bloom. Again, the book is That Which Doesn't Kill Us. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back.
1: The Guy's Guy Radio.
0: Okay, we're back on Guy's Guy's Radio. Guys, we're running a little bit long today so what i'm going to do is i'm going to save i have a uh, a guy's guy's guide about how to kind of simplify your life but i think we had a lot of information already in the show from uh the bloom so i think we'll just uh wrap it up now and we'll do that uh, guy's guy's guide on wednesday because i'm back this wednesday with uh, lily sanders who's wrote a book about kind of a how to um, uh, personal spirituality raising your vibration things you can do and I think part of that uh, message is about simplifying your life. So I'll do that. So that'll wrap a little more cohesively together in one message. So Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Guys, Guys Radio. Hope to see you there. Until then, I hope you're enjoying the summer. I'm really appreciative of uh, you being a listener for Guys, Guys Radio. And uh, as I always like to say, Guys, Guys, finish first.